Guys, I wanted to tell you about GoHunt.com Insider's monthly giveaway. Uh, throughout the summer, they've been giving away just some unbelievable stuff. Actually, starting back uh, December of 2014, they gave away five pairs of Zeiss Conquest binoculars with a retail value of $7,500. In January, five sets of Sitka gear uh, with a retail value of $9,000. February, uh, three P2 PX Extreme Range Magnum Red Rock Precision Custom Rifles with Huskama uh, 5 to 20 by 50 blue diamond scopes with a retail value of 22,800. In March, they gave away 10 pair of Kenetrek boots. Uh, April, they gave away 100 phone scope digiscoping adapters worth uh, $10,000. Uh, in May, they gave away three Zeiss Victory Diascope 85 spotting scopes with a retail value of 11,000. Uh, in June, they gave away a doll sheep hunt. Uh, with all food, lodging, guide fee, plus a $2,500 travel voucher with a retail value of $22,500. Uh, that is a Nahani Butte Outfitters a doll sheep hunt, uh, which uh, we heard from in episode uh, 82 uh, on this podcast from Richard uh, Blazer, uh, who shot a nice doll sheep. Uh, in July, they gave away uh, four tags. They gave away uh, antelope, mule deer, and elk tags uh, with a retail value of $20,000. August, they gave away 10, uh, 10 insider uh, one, uh, 10 sleeping bags, uh, Kuyu Super Down 30 degree sleeping bags with a retail value of $4,500. In September, they gave away 15 uh, Sunto Core Black Watches. And the month of October, they are giving away a coos deer rut hunt. Two insiders are going to get to go with Dark Colburn and I in Sonora, Mexico in January on a coos deer hunt. Uh, and that has a retail value of $13,000. That's $6,500 per person. That's $5,500 for the hunt and a $1,000 travel voucher. And all of the details... Uh, to win those great hunts or you can find them at gohunt.com and click on the insider portion for insider giveaways and That rut hunt is going to be awesome. I mean uh, year after year. We've gone down and consistently uh, got found great bucks for our hunters and uh, it's just just a great time um, I want to thank gohunt.com for their sponsorship of, of my podcast and I want to encourage you that if you're not already an insider uh, to go on GoHunt.com, click on the Join Insider, click on the blue Join Now button and use the J. Scott promo code and you will automatically get a $50 Kuyu gift card electronically emailed to you once you sign up. And Lorenzo and his team at GoHunt have been incredible to work with. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. Also, guys, uh, DeadeyeOutfitters.com is an additional sponsor of this podcast. And this is the month of, uh, no, of October. And as you know, the month of October is uh, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And Deadeye Outfitters is doing their annual breast cancer awareness t-shirt design. They're donating 10% of all those proceeds to breast cancer research. The men's and women's t-shirts are currently available on their website 
at DeadeyeOutfitters.com. Be sure to use the promo code JSCOTT to save 10% on all your purchases. Pick up some Deadeye Outfitters and wear your obsession. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be a great episode with our friend Craig Steele of Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters. And we're going to be doing a recap of the 2015 elk season. Uh, Craig and Lee uh, over at Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters had a great season and you're going to get to hear about it. Uh, Craig was also fortunate to hunt with his dad at the end of the season on an early rifle hunt and harvested just a solid, solid big bull, uh, 390 type of bull. And um, I always uh, enjoy talking to Craig on the podcast and uh, definitely uh, the, the you listeners uh, obviously do too. Uh, he's always one of the uh, popular guests and, and most played and most uh, listened to uh, guest on the podcast. I encourage you to go check out uh, Craig and Lee's uh, stuff uh, on Instagram, uh, orghunt.com, and uh, they just do a great job over there. Guys, I want to thank you for your support of this podcast. Uh, one thing I would ask you to do if you haven't done it is when you go on iTunes, you can leave a review. Um, you can leave a five-star rating and leave comments and reviews, and that helps our placement on iTunes. And I want to say there's over 110 uh, reviews. Um, but if you haven't, uh, please do that. That helps our placement. Um, we're, we're out there in a big world of, of podcasts and, and a lot of, uh, competition out there. And the, the more reviews and the more positive reviews, um, that, that helps us and that's helping me. And I just appreciate you guys support. Um, so help us out in that uh, regard. Um, Guys, we're right in the middle of our fall season, and I would just encourage you guys to get out there and give it everything you got and uh, give it 110% and uh, make it a point to help your fellow sportsmen and be courteous to your fellow sportsmen out there because we're all hunters. We're all enjoying this. We're all doing this for the same thing. And Well, that's not true. We're all doing this for different reasons, but we're all sportsmen and we're all should be united and, and, uh, you know, you should be a good sport and helping your fellow hunter out there. So, uh, guys, uh, you can leave me, uh, uh, comments and questions on my email at jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Uh, you can follow along, uh, our hunting adventures on Instagram at jscottoutdoors and at Dar Colburn. And I want to thank all you guys out there. Um, that are using the hashtag jscottoutdoors um, on some of your posts. Um, that means a lot to me, and I thank you for, for that support. And uh, let's get right to the episode here. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we're with Craig Steele, our buddy at Exclusive Pursuit Outfitters, orghunt.com. At Craig Steele AZ on Instagram. Craig's everywhere. Craig, how you doing? Good, man. How you doing, Jay? I'm pretty good. I got to be honest. I'm kind of, uh, I, I did a little bit of an elk recap episode with Chris Rowe, and I said I was a, a little bit of an elk hangover, and I thought it was funny the other night when I texted you. Basically said, go away. 
I'm taking my ball and going home. I've got an elk hangover. I don't want to talk to you. Is basically the gist of your text. Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. And I I know the feeling. Yeah. I think, uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, mentally we put so much into these hunts. And, you know, I was gone up in Unit 9 for 30 days and just had an absolute ball um, but I think anybody would be lying if they didn't tell you it was a grind. I mean, and all hunts are a grind, and I think that's what we ultimately like about it. Um, but mentally, you know, it's it's tough to stay sharp for 30 days. Um, what do you think? Yeah, no, especially the archery hunts. Archery hunts uh, are usually a grind, whether you're guiding or helping, or even if it's your own hunt, depending on, upon your expectations and whatnot. The archery hunts... Early rifle, uh, you know, as far as during the rut, it, it's a grind too, but, you know, the way our seasons are set up, it's after the archery hunt, so you, you kind of, you know, you're looking forward to getting, to, to laying the hammer down on something, you know, after. Well, yeah, and I mean, I think to your point, Craig, I think one of the things about the archery hunt is, as you know, being a bow hunter, um, there's so much intricate things that go into being a bow hunter and you know you can see a bull out there 250 yards and be rifle hunting and be like I just passed that bull up well in order to pass a bull up with the bow and be able to say you passed him I mean you got to have him what inside of 40 yards 50 yards I mean so it's and and a lot of times I think you know getting into that animal's you know, 50 yard zone is, it's a whole different ball game than seeing them out there, you know, 300 yards. A whole different ball game. And, you know, as, as the draw odds continue to decrease across the board, but specifically for, you know, those rifle hunts during the rut, you know, you get a lot of people that convert over into bow hunting and, you know, their expectations are the, are the same and, and it's, it's a total different ball game, you know. That's why, you know, air, you know, areas like Arizona Unit 10, that's why the success rate, or one of the reasons is that at averaging about 25%, I mean, and that's not even on trophy bulls, and it's it's just, it's so different. I mean, you, you, you know, whether whether you're, you're, you're helping a buddy that's its first archery hunt or, or, or guiding a client to this first archery hunt, when you step out there and you say you want to kill a, you know, even a 350 bull in Arizona, I'm sure it's the same way in some of these other states that have that caliber bull during the archery hunt. When you say that, or you know, you take it to the next level and say you want to kill a 360, 370, 380, 400, you're you are you're tremendously handcuffing yourself. And if if you've never bow hunted before, uh, you have not to say you don't have to have skills when you hire an outfitter or whether you know you go with an experienced hunter with a rifle but like you said it it is a totally it's it's going from high school baseball to the pros you know it's going from high school football to the pros it's and and so many things have to go your way and, and literally as a guide or somebody that's helping there's a lot of things that you can't do you know to help the hunter uh, you know, get it done, you know, and, and it's, and there's a lot of situations, the best bow hunters out there still don't get it done, you know, cause they yeah. don't catch the yeah. breaks. 
I think that's why a lot of us like the sport so much and like to, you know, bow hunt. And I think it brings on that element that uh, there's a lot of challenge to it. Uh, I want to talk to you about the rut. Um, if you listen to, you know, a couple of our elk episodes uh, have been some of the most popular episodes here on uh, my podcast. And going into this season, I mean, everything looked and lined up like it was going to be awesome as far as rut. And, you know, antler growth was, I think, pretty darn good for sure. I think the the, the photos are, are kind of proving that. Um, you know, we had a dry winter, but it was mild. And then we had quite a bit of spring moisture, had good monsoonal moisture. And, you know, I thought it was going to be just crazy rut. And it seemed like uh, reports from all over the state that it was fairly lackluster at the beginning. And then finally it, it, it kicked in. My question for you is kind of one-fold, two-fold, three-fold, you know, a million parts to this question, but I thought they'd be going better earlier, and I'm, I, I'm not sure if it was the heat here in, in Arizona that we had, you know, speaking with the central units and, you know, the 910 units, 8, eight nine ten units, uh, why were they so slow starting off? <laughs> uh, I guess maybe go talk to the elk and the units we hunted and we might find out but um you know i don't i don't really i think every year that i try to predict or i try to look at how the rut's going to be um antler growth is another another topic and it's a lot easier to predict but for some reason i think with elk we try to predict it because you know, them being so vocal makes them so vulnerable um, versus we don't really try to predict the rut of the mule deer or whitetail deer as much. Um, but with elk, it's, it's such a huge factor in, in during the bow season and getting them killed. Um, there's a lot of stuff we don't know. And that's what I've learned, that every time I think I, I know what you know something about the elk rut I, I really don't know as much as what I think I do um and I, I actually was uh, it, and if I'm just going to speak off the cuff and I you know anybody that they can either roll their eyes or people can agree I'd love to hear Chris Rowe on this I, I mean and I know there's biologists that have their opinion and, and I'm not a biologist I don't have a degree you know it's just you know, following the weather and stuff like that and reading stuff. But it's actually looking through some trail camera pictures just an hour ago, clearing some cards. And I was checking out the, the cows, you know, cause, uh, and the calves, because, um, you know, there are studies out there that show, you know, healthy animals, um, depending upon their fat reserves, is, uh, you know, they will cycle sooner or and more consistently. And I was looking at the gestation period according to, you know, Google and uh, RMEF and, uh, you know, it's it's anywhere between 240 to 262 days is the gestation period of, you know, it's eight and a half months roughly on average. And I was looking at some of the calves that were born, you know, they were born around the 20th of June 
you know, a wide variety, but there's a pretty big swing in there. If you look at that, that's 22 days of variance in the gestation period alone, not to mention when they actually, you know, conceive. I don't know what it is. I don't know. Um, I think if we go back to one of the episodes where we talk about Horn Grove, I think um, I did bring up the fact of the early start of the monsoon and how that kind of, um, whether they called it the monsoon or not, the early the rains we had in May and, and June, um, how, how that was going to play out in the overall monsoon. I can tell you that from my opinion and from, I just looked at the deal from the National Weather Service um, a couple days ago, um, there was areas that had really, really great rain during the monsoon. And then if you went 30 yards to the east or to the west or to the north or to the south, there was big areas that were completely dry. Um, there was a lot of tanks that didn't catch water, um, at least in Arizona, um, in, until September. Um, I don't, you know, the, the elk seemed to be in good shape. Obviously, um, the, the bulls were in good shape. Most of the cows seemed to be in pretty good shape. Um, I know there was areas that elk were in different spots than what we normally have found them in. And I know that changes uh, every year, but this year just seemed to be um, even more so. Um, you know, as far as the timing of the so what rut, you're saying is you don't know. I, I don't. I really don't know. <laughs> I can tell you that the monsoon was not a normal hard monsoon. Um, yeah. I you know, and then that's just it was just some areas. I mean, some areas were. Some areas got record rain. I was looking at it. Uh, Williams. Williams was. It was their like twentieth driest monsoon season ever um, in Williams. Um, and then you go over to you know. Uh, I think Sholo had like one of the wettest, um, right. you know, so, so real spotty rains. It, it was real spotty. And, and, you know, uh, you know, I, I had like to think that that has something to do with it. Kind of, we had a couple guys that hunted Nevada before and their season, they were seasoned. So the best bow hunters I've ever hunted with, um, as a, as a client. Um, and the, they came over here and they killed two bulls, um, on their own in Nevada um, they live in Nevada. Um, they're 50 something years. They've been bow hunting for 25 years and they've killed great. They killed a 370 in Nevada and a, like a 350 or 345 in Nevada on their own. They came over here and hunted with us and, and they were, they were saying how slow it was in Nevada as well. Um, and ha how weird it was. And I know one thing we noticed, um, and I, and I, and I heard, I talked, was talking with Lee last night and, and I, I kind of heard rumors about it in another unit that we went hunting where my dad killed his bull. Um, we noticed, and I don't know what you guys noticed up in unit nine, but we noticed in unit 10 that there was large bunches of cows, um, with like one bull. Um, one morning I saw, uh, uh you know, like a rutting frenzy going on, um, with 10 bulls. But, um, and, and Lee and I talked about it last night is, is this, is this a sign 
you know, our, our bull to cow ratio? Is it because of all the bull tags that they've been pounding, specifically in the unit 10 where we we're hunting this year, um, last year I hunted unit 9, um, specifically in unit 10, is this a sign of all, all the pressure of all the new bull elk hunts and the increased, you know, bull elk tags in there, um, of them pounding those tags in there, and is the bull to cow ratio um, basically managed below what, what, you know, we all like it to be. Um, sure. And Craig, we really uh, noticed that. So I want to point out to the listeners, um, exclusive pursuit outfitters, you guys guided in unit 10 and you had a, uh, you guys shot some nice bulls. Um, and then you shot a nice bull with your dad. Um, you know, you guys have the luxury of having some private ground, some of the best private ground in Unit 10. And so, you know, pressure is not as much a factor for you guys as, say, I was over in Unit 9. And it, I don't know what it was this year, but it seemed as though the pressure on the muzzleloader hunt going before the archery hunt and the pressure during the archery hunt with all of the helpers helping, you know, eight to ten helpers in each camp helping one hunter. Um, you know, I'm going to say that pressure in my mind had a lot to do with the elk kind of starting to think about bugling and then just getting ransacked with every Tom, Dick, and Harry. And I love Joe Public out there on one hand, but I also hate Joe Public on one hand because of some of the dumb things that we do. Mm -hmm. And it just seems like just about the time they wanted to get going, you know, the muzzleloader crowd rolled in with, you know, 10 helpers per camp and just driving around and it just shut them down. Yeah, pressure. And then, pressure and then finally, yeah, and I mean, then finally by the you know, the archery season. And finally, by that last week, you know, they finally started going pretty good. But that's expected, you know, the 27th of of September, it's pretty, you know, pretty much going to bugle most every year unless it's a horrible drought. Um, tell me about, so early on, um, on your ranches, you just didn't see, so these are elk that are not very interrupted. You just didn't see a lot of, of bulls getting after it early. No, you know, I, I was all over Unit 10 and a couple of the other units early scouting for antelope. And, you know, it seemed like everywhere I went, it just seemed like it's behind. And one thing I noticed tremendously, tremendously, was the lack of rubs, lack of wallows. You know, bulls are usually tearing stuff up you know, August 20th through September 1st. I mean, they're usually, I mean, you're usually sometimes seeing three foot wallows, you know, in, in a lot of different country, even, you know, on the public, private, wherever. I mean, you're usually, and you're seeing new rubs. Just, just, there was just a lack of that, um, a lack of, uh, a lack of that going on. And then I, I noticed, you know, when I hunt antelope or, or scout for antelope and hunt antelope, you know, uh, which, by the way, you guys had an unbelievable yeah, year, we which had, we'll talk about in another episode. Yeah, it's, we had a great it's like year. a very, banner, very banner antelope year. Uh, but, you know, it was just everything did seem behind, you know. 
um, the, the, the bulls, you know, there'd be like one bull with cow and that's usually how it, how it progresses. But, you know, it, it never, we kept waiting for, for other bulls to come in and other bulls did, but it's not like it, it's not like it was where, you know, never, never did I see, um, in, in most areas and I hunted another unit too, um, that I see where there was a couple, you know, really big bulls, you know, two, three, four really big bulls, 350 plus bulls going after, you know, 10 head of cows. You know, it was always, you know, one big bull and a couple little bulls with like 30 cows, you know, 40 yeah. cows, 50 cows. And which, you know, I mean, is, is like spot stocking mule deer during, you know, December during the rut when they got 30 does with them, it was, it makes for pretty tough conditions. Um, one, one thing I want to point out to, to people that, you know, and Lee, Lee pointed this out, Lee's kind of the, the silent guy on our side and, you know, the guy's pretty, pretty dang smart, pretty dang savvy as he goes, you know, all the years of compounding of, of dry and, uh, uh basically late ruts. And he goes, it's going to take a long time for them unless it's just an exceptional an exceptional monsoon and, and spring. Um, it's going to take a long time for those cows. If you think about it to cycle into that early cycle, because if they're, if they're continuously, you know, a week, two, three weeks late every year, and they do that over four or five years, well, just, one decent year is probably not going to, you know, they're still that cow that they are calves that they had probably still came late the year, you know, this year. And then, you know, to get them the cycle back normally, just compound every compound. year. You're saying it gets two or three days later, yeah, two or three yeah. days later. And, and it made it, made a lot, made a lot of sense, you know, and, and plus, you know, bull the cow race. I, I can tell you over on the wall of Pires that, you know, I know I heard guys saying that they were, they were bugling pretty good September 1st and I hadn't even heard a bugle. Um, I didn't hear a bugle until probably September 8th, um, which 9th, I think you text me when you heard your first bugle. Um, and, uh, you, usually it's two weekends before the archery hunt that I hear some, some good bugling. Um, you know, or at least, you know, a bull ripping a little bit, you know, may not be 10 bulls ripping, but Usually you find one that just loves to talk. Um, just didn't didn't hear that, didn't see that. Um, Definitely a weird year. Yeah, yeah, it was um, strange. Big bulls though. Definitely horn growth was 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 there. You know, Craig, I wanna I wanna stop you there for just a second, and I want to talk a couple of uh, spend a couple minutes here and tell you about a couple things that the sponsors of this podcast have going. First off, I would say. Um, have you ever had anybody in your life, uh, do you know any women that have had breast cancer? Yes, I do. And, and I do too. And, and I think everybody listening probably knows someone either in their family or friends and Deadeye Outfitters is doing their annual breast cancer awareness design again. They are donating 10% of all of the proceeds to breast cancer uh, research. So... If, if you go and buy anything from DeadeyeOutfitters.com, 10% of those proceeds, uh, they're 
on those breast cancer uh, awareness T-shirts, they're, they're going to give uh, 10% of that away. And I think it's important that uh, we all remember that the month of October is, is uh, it's a very special month, and it's a month that everybody needs to reflect and remember that uh, life is short. And um, uh, go on DeadeyeOutfitters.com, uh, check out the men's and women's shirts. They're currently available on their website. If you use the promo code JSCOTT, you can save 10% on all of your purchases. Um, I think it's important to support good causes like uh, breast cancer awareness, uh, breast cancer research. Um, and I want to thank Deadeye Outfitters for being a sponsor of this podcast and for donating 10% of their proceeds. I think it's a big deal. So um, the other thing that we've got going on here... Um, GoHunt.com Insider every month gives away uh, hunts, they give away gear, and they've given some phenomenal hunts away the last couple of months. Uh, Lorenzo contacted me and said that he wanted to do a, a giveaway the month of October. They're going to announce the winner on November 1st. Uh, uh, Lorenzo's been wanting to go down and cooster hunt with Dar and I, and... Um, he thought it'd be a great idea to, to, to buy two more slots. Um, he's paying full price for these slots. Uh, I'm not giving him a break. Uh, we only run a few hunts as it is. And he wanted to buy two more slots uh, for insider members. So their uh, October giveaway is a cooster hunt, seven days of hunting. We'll have a travel day on each side and right during the rut. And... Um, if you go on Go Hunt's website, you can get more details about that that hunt. But all you have to do is be an insider member, and every insider member has a chance to win. They're going to pick two names on November 1st. They're going to call the winners, and um, you get to hunt with Dara and I and uh, go down and enjoy something that you know we've been going down, I believe, since 1999. Uh, we've never missed a year. And uh, absolutely love coos deer hunting in Mexico. So um, if, if you go on GoHunt.com, you click on the Insider. And if you want to join, if you use the J. Scott promo code, uh, Kuyu is going to send you a $50. Actually, GoHunt.com is going to send you the $50 Kuyu gift card. So I know, Craig, you wear Kuyu and um, I wear Kuyu and really like their gear. So... By signing up, you automatically get a chance to be in the drawing to uh, to win a chance at the hunt. So um, go check them out, GoHunt.com, and click on the Insider. And um, it's a great resource, a great tool for Western hunters trying to figure out what states, what units, what species they want to hunt. Uh, but not only that, they give away great gear. So. Craig, I want to thank you for uh, being patient there while I talk about our sponsors. Um, you guys had a, you know, had a darn good year uh, with your clients. Um, what was the best bull you shot? We'll talk about your dad's bull, uh, but but with uh, with your clients there, what was the best bull you guys shot? Uh, 383, and then uh, we shot a few archery bulls. Um, one of them was the mid to high 360s i don't know there was some discrepancy i heard two different scores but you know they were both in the 360s uh, nice. so yeah no we did we did pretty well i mean i think we 
kill about 45% of our archery hunters killed. And we had, you know, other opportunities that were missed that come along with archery hunting. But, uh, you know, you can't, you can't market, you know, I market think those. One of, you know? I, yeah, I mean, I think one of the – being an outfitter and hunting public land, you know, it always seems like uh, having the opportunity that you and Lee do to hunt on private ground – um, just seems awesome. Seems like, you know, uh, granted it's not a hundred percent success. You know, everybody doesn't get a bull sometimes and that's the way it goes. I mean, with archery, you've got misses and you've got, you know, hits that don't connect and, and you've got people's schedules and there's all sorts of, of things, but from a quality standpoint of experience, um, just seems like hunting elk that don't get as much pressure and don't get people driving right through the middle of your elk at prime time. Mm-hmm. Um, just seems like a great experience. The, big, the biggest difference is, yeah, it's 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 the pressure. It's the, you know, uh, I love hunting public my, myself, you know, but but on the same token, you know, if I had the the, the income or or dedicated income and, and had the time um, to do it, you know, when a guy waits, you know, fifteen. 20 years for for the one tag basically you know it with the amount of permits that are that are getting pushed in and the amount of pressure you know and and that's that's one of the biggest things is what you were talking about with like the way unit nine is now and i know it's that way in other other units is you know now you get you know whether it's a guy going on his own or 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 a a guy going guided you know you you get you know, four or five of the guys in camp and, you know, you got trail cameras running, you got stuff There's there's just a, the, the, the pressure on the animals just increased so much and not that, you know, they, 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 they adapt very well and it's called going nocturnal. Um, but, uh, you know, as, as hunters, you know, um, and guides, it, it, it dramatically decreases, uh, the hunt experience and your success rates. I mean, unit 10 is a prime example. That's just one of them. And I know there's more, I mean, you look at, you know, we had 106A too, and, you know, they ended up killing and, and got on a good bull, but that, you know, that unit has, you know, 800 and something tags, you know, and it's known as a, as a, yeah. as a meat hunt. I mean, the more tags you put in something, the more pressure and, you know, now with the web and us doing this podcast and doing videos, and, you know, the, the information gaps closed a lot. So, you know, guys are doing more things a lot like us, you know, and um, versus, you know, when you had to wait for a magazine or, you know, that one television show or that one DVD to come out. Now it's, you know, guys are sharing information and and stuff's quick and, and it's the pressure on the animals is, has, has just increased. And it, it seems like the, it, it has, the tag numbers have gone up. I mean, it's, it's, well, it's I think one, yeah, I mean, I think the tag allocations have gone up. I think hunters have gotten better. I think hunters have gotten smarter. I think you make a good point that people are sharing information, which is fine. I think one of the things that we really have to watch as sportsmen, as hunters, as guides is, are we doing something that is affecting someone else's hunt? And I think what I've seen 
And what I've seen the trend going towards is I'm going to go get mine and I don't care who I bother. I don't care who I affect. I don't care who I screw up. I don't care all as long as I get my three whatever bull or four whatever bull score. That was a success. So my statement here is kind of twofold and I don't want to sound like a grouch, but I witnessed some things in unit nine this year that just are mind boggling. And I think a lot of it is people just don't realize it. Mm -hmm. I think they don't understand, but guys as a whole, and I mean, there's thousands of you out there that listen to this podcast. If I could just get half of you to realize that you have to be traveling in the morning at prime time and in the traveling in the evening at prime time and understand that, oh, you're just out helping. It doesn't matter if you have a dead night or, oh, you're trying to get somewhere. There's times that you shouldn't be traveling because you're interrupting someone else's hunt. And I just saw a lot of selfishness. I saw a lot of people doing things that were just you shake your head and you think if that was their friend that had the tag and they were on those bulls and you drive up, you see the vehicle parked, the elk are out in the meadow and you continue to, you know, lug the diesel through, you stop and you're glassing the elk. I mean, you know, someone's there. I just, guys, we've got to be more courteous to people out there and, and 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 then my other point is, Craig, do you think it's more of a success on a hunt if a guy kills a 380 bull on the first morning, first bull that comes in, he kills a 380, or is it a more successful hunt if he kills on the 13th or 14th day, he kills a 300 bull, but he has an awesome experience? I mean... What do people want? There's some people out there that just want to kill something big. They don't care if it's the first day or the last day. They just want to kill something big. And then there's guys that want to just come and enjoy Arizona and enjoy the bugling. But wouldn't it be a shame if you come, you wait 20, 18 years, 17 years, and you draw your archery tag and you shoot the big bull on the first day? On one hand, don't, aren't you missing out on a ton of experience? Yeah, I think I think it's all perspective. It's all individual it's all on what you want your hunt to be and you know i, I talked about I, I actually talk about this a lot and i talk about this i talked about this to my daughter and you know i, I hear a lot of things you know and I, i'm gonna I, I talk about this from from at its core from a hunting level not just a guide or a client but just as a hunter as a hunter we're all hunters you know if you strip us the guide away you strip the client away you strip the diy away we're all hunters and this 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 and, I, and I'm as guilty as anybody um, so I'm not sitting here saying I'm not um, and but this 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 thing and, and I hear it a lot from the DIY side a lot from the local side and you know I, I hear I hear and, and I also question my own my own thoughts when it comes to this because who am I to say whatever but uh you know the, this the desire that we forget about the hunt like 
that to me, to me, the hunt experience is what you can take away from it. Um, and, and, you know, that's, that's why I, I promote myself or if you call it promote, but I, I talk a lot about me being a trophy hunter and how I am absolutely 100% a trophy hunter and not the trophy hunter that the people paint in the, in, in, in the, in the media, mainstream media, which we're not, but you know, that you hear on television or in newspapers or in, you know, some magazine that's, you know, like off beat, off the beaten path or something that's, you know, way, way liberalized, you know, but I'm a trophy hunter and by trophy hunting, you know, I, I could experience things because I'm selective. And then I, th I think somewhat our industry, Jay, you know, we, we try to dumb it down and, you know, you, and we try to be as successful as we can because we think that's what the client wants. We, we want, you know, the client says he wants to try to kill a 380 bull. And, you know, I, 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 I'm just going to say this, that about 90% of the guys that I take, they say they want a number, but they're just like me. They also want a great experience. You know, everybody, I think we all have this vision of this great bull, but, but we want it or a great big old buck or big old ramp, but the, the experience matters to, oh, it to, absolutely to, matters. to 90 to 95% of us. Um, the experience matters. And I've had guys shoot things and, you know, you get in the heat of the moment and they weren't going to shoot it. And all of a sudden they shoot it. And, you know, as us, as guides, we're like, crap, why'd you shoot that? I've heard, you know, I've heard comments of, you know, you, we all have heard this, you know, well, why did they shoot that? You know, whether it be a, a, a client, whether it be another camp that's, that, that, that the, the, the hunter shoots this bull that has the tag that you wanted to tag. We, we all say that. Well, we weren't the person with the tag. We weren't the person in the moment. We didn't, you know, we weren't born on that day. We weren't raised this way. We don't have a wife at home that's, you know, we all have, most of us have wives at home that want us to come home. But you know what I mean? It, it's it's all individual, but being respectful of the hunt and being respectful of other people's, you know, situations out there as far as on, on the public land side of it, it's something that is, is getting pretty crazy. Um, I think we both contribute to it, whether we do it indirectly or directly. And I, I know we've had these conversations before, um, uh, you know, commercialization of hunting, um, contributes to it not not that you know we're selling these animals but that we're selling the experience the television shows the magazines you know us posting but I think that's why we've got to talk about that and I think that's why you and I click so well is we do have these trip down discussions and we're not afraid to to speak as as not just a guide and somebody that has to, you know, rip his shirt off and flex his muscles and hold a 400 inch bull. We're not afraid to speak about the actual hunt and that we fail and that, you know, not every one of our clients may get the animal they want or, you know, but ultimately for us, you know, and we've talked about this too, ultimately for us, it's not up to us what we want to kill. It's up to our client and that's who we need to make happy. And right. so if you're going with your buddy, you know, the situation with an antelope hunt and this, and, and antelope hunts are, are, are super, super high pressure. If you think elk hunting is the rifle antelope hunts in Arizona, and I'm sure they are in other places, 
um, are, 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 there's so much pressure, it's ridiculous. And, and, and this guy wanted to kill two bucks. Well, his buddy wanted him to kill one buck. Well, this guy was so worked up over the deal, he ended up killing the second buck, and we actually killed the buck that his buddy wanted him to kill, and he wanted to kill. Everybody wanted to kill it that morning. But the but the point being is, and I told him the night before the hunt, I, I said, dude, just have a good time. You know, everybody's hunting this animal. You know, let's all be respectful. Let's all be safe, you know, and, and enjoy it. You know, and... and uh, that's my biggest thing. I know when I'm out there on public land because I know I speak, I know I write, I know I publish. Um, you're the same way that I always want to put my best foot forward um, because I, I think we need that. I think somewhere the term sportsman's been been lost in in hunting. And sportsman's to me isn't because we're trying to you know fill up the record book. To me, sportsman's is you know term sportsman is because as sportsmen we're so supposed to help people or at least treat them how you would want to be treated and you know i think we've kind of somewhat lost that you know but i think that's very well said i don't think i could have said it any better um buddy i want to thank you for being on with us and giving us your elk recap i want to congratulate you and lee on you guys' success and um, I am looking forward to uh, sharing a, a hunt with he, you here very soon. Uh, we are guiding the Arizona uh, Big Game Raffle uh, sheep, Desert Sheep Hunter uh, right in your backyard and um, leaving here in a few days and it's going to be great to spend some time with you up on the mountain and, and uh, look at those sheep and so thankful for to God for creating those animals for us to enjoy all the animals that we like and uh, look for I'm really looking forward to this hunt with you and uh, want to thank you for being on as always and thank you for your uh, true sincere words and uh, one of the things that I always enjoy about all the stuff that you do on social media is you talk about failure and you talk about uh, things that you could have done to be better and I think in this day and age, uh, admitting failure and admitting that, sh you know, y you screw up more than you do right. Uh, you know, you go the wrong way when you should have went that way. And, you you know, you, sh you should have done this and you should have done that. Um, in the world we live in, it seems like that has been forgotten. And the reality is, as you and I know deep down in our heart is as guides and outfitters, uh, we screw up more times than, you know, we're, we're wrong more times than we're right. And people a lot of times only see when we're right and we, when we do things. And I'm not talking like right or wrong. I'm talking like making mistakes. And we, we all make mistakes. And we try and minimize mistakes as much as we can. We try and be as efficient as we can. But the reality is we, we screw up a lot. And uh, you're never afraid to show that. So I want to thank you for your honesty on that and uh uh thanks for being on buddy right on man awesome. all right all right sounds good thanks for listening to the j scott outdoors western big game hunting and fishing podcast brought to you by gohunt.com insider use the promo code j scott and receive a 50 dollar kuyu gift card when signing up for the gohunt.com insider research faster hunt more go to gohunt.com forward slash insider and join today.